Welcome to the Semicolon Club podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking with Ryan and Ty Scott, two young men who have been recipients of the Lisa Marks Hope Scholarship. Ryan and Ty are going to share their personal experience with their family and offer hope and encouragement to those of you who may be going through a colon cancer battle in your family. They were going to discuss their education and how the scholarship has affected their lives. Stay tuned. Welcome to the podcast today, guys. I'm so glad to have you with us. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind introducing yourselves and telling us a little bit about your um, schooling, uh, what you're studying. I'm Ty Scott. I'm a freshman at uh, University of South Alabama. Uh, I'm an IT major. And I'm Ryan. I'm a senior at University of South Alabama, and I'm also an IT major. That's awesome. So both of you guys are IT majors, and if I'm not mistaken, you're following in your in your dad's footsteps. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, we are. He was in information systems, so he cared a little bit about more about business than we did. But yes, <laughs> but even then, it's different. We have different. Uh, IT has different focus tracks, and me and Ty are even separate in that. There's three different ones that we have to choose from, and me and Ty are both already taking different paths. Oh, wow. What, what paths are you guys doing? I'm doing digital forensics and networking. They're two separate ones, but I chose to fit them both into my schedule. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do more of a web development, like building websites. Tell me, guys, how did your family find out about Rump Shaker and how did y'all get connected with us so many years ago? Just got in touch with Rump Shaker. I think dad found out about it on his own, didn't he? Mom or dad, yeah. One of they found out about it at the hospital. Somebody they were having chemo with up at uh, UAB is the one that told them about Rump Shaker and how the organization worked. So that's how we got to be a part of it. And we were a part of the races ever since. The first year dad even mildly got interested in it. We just decided to completely do the race, our whole family. That's awesome. That's awesome. And tell me, um, remind me, how old was your dad when he was diagnosed? When he was diagnosed, he was 35, but he had a three-year battle thereabouts and died at 38. 38, that's right, that's right. Um, you know, we're, we're unfortunately, we're hearing so much about young diagnosis um, that is becoming, unfortunately, all too familiar um, with your dad. Was it something where, was he, I guess, surprised by the diagnosis or were there some things that had led up to that? Um, obviously you don't expect to get a cancer diagnosis, certainly not colon cancer at the age of 35, but um, is there anything about, you know, his diagnosis or journey that you'd like to share? It was a complete surprise to him, but most of it was because he didn't know the symptoms. It was one of those things of once he had it, he was shocked. But when the doctor told him the symptoms for it, he hit himself in the head because he had noticed several of them over the course. But he didn't each individual symptom. He didn't think warranted going to the doctor over. But the whole slew of them really was. That's you know, that's a, that's a great point. Um, colon cancer, you know, they a lot of times people will say colon cancer. The number one symptom is no symptoms. But in a lot of cases, I've, I've heard that so many times, um, just what you just shared there, that when you put it all together, you realize, oh, wait, that, 
you know, individually, the things are not a big deal. But when you start putting it together, you realize that there, there may have been a few telltale signs. And, and that's, that's an area where we really um, have got to do a better job, you know, us as an organization, medical community to, um, to educate folks. Yeah, awareness. Yes, yes. Well, I would like to transition here. Um, I wanted you guys to come on and talk to us specifically about the Lisa March Scholarship Program. And we have got our golf tournament coming up on Friday, October the 30th. And that's going to be out at Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail at Oxmoor Valley that's here in the Birmingham area. And this is going to be the fifth annual, um, fifth annual golf tournament that's coming up. And for those of you who do not know, the golf tournament is the sole fundraiser for our college scholarship program. And I invited Ryan and Ty to be with us today because um, they have both been recipients of the Lisa March scholarship. And I would love, guys, for y'all just to talk a little bit about um, you know, what the scholarship has meant to you and how it's helped your family over the years. Do you want to go or do you want to? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the scholarship just, you know, in general, it, you know, it just provides a lot of, um, a lot less stress about uh, student debt and things like that um, just by reducing the cost of college in general. Um, but the bigger part of it to us was that, I Ty didn't do as many because we learned our lesson when I first tried out that almost every scholarship that is worth your time trying to apply for almost always asks for taxes and they don't deduct anything from medical. They want just your raw numbers because to them, they don't care that somebody's sick. They're just trying to help who they can. So my mm-hmm. freshman year, I want to say I applied to over 60 and most of the ones I heard back from were even still telling me that my, my parents made too much and because they didn't take into account that over half of my dad's income went to treatment by itself because chemo is pretty expensive. Yeah, It was the one scholarship that I applied for that didn't even ask for tax records. Yeah. Yes. And that's, um, I'm, I'm glad that you said that Ryan, because you know, we often get asked by applicants, well, you know, what are the qualifications? And, you know, bottom line is to qualify for for this scholarship, your family has to have been affected by colon cancer. Um, we do not take into consideration uh, taxes. That's not something we ask for. FAFSA doesn't even go up that close to it because um, it was only this year that we first started to even be able to be considered by FAFSA because in the past, there is a threshold that you can reach for them to say, okay, you have significant medical bills, so we'll give you a break. Every year, we were over $20,000 away from that, even with as much as we were paying in chemo, because the threshold for major medical expenses to be a deduction was Mm -hmm. high that we were never able to reach it. So we were left in that weird limbo in the FAFSA system. Yes. You mentioned a while ago that this is the first year that y'all have been able, I guess with Ty applying, y'all been able to receive any assistance. And, you know, how, Ryan, how long has it been? you know, since, since your dad left us, I mean, it's been, it's been two, three, three years oh, two, three. going on to three years. We've, we've passed two and we're in the summer. It'll be three. Um, that's right. But that's right. So it, two and a half, two and a half years. Yeah. But his diagnosis happened three years before that. So exactly. The whole 
period of time, I'm, I'm just now finishing college and I, I was lucky enough to start it with the Lisa Martz Hope Scholarship. But that was right. during the period to where I started college in his second year. So we were all already in full blast with chemo deficit. So right. It was wow. Cancer is not cookie cutter. I mean, it, it's just not. It, it doesn't just affect people who are older and have already put their kids through college. You know, we see it across the board. And, and unfortunately, with colon cancer, we're seeing it every year. You know, we receive more applications from students whose parents are being diagnosed and they're, you know, they're young. They're just now going to college. So, so guys, tell me what the rump shaker has meant to your family and just how it's affected you over the past several years. For us, it was always pretty much like a holiday. Um, from the first year that we did it, we started, we didn't know what we were going to do for the race or what it was until about three months before. And from the day we decided we were going to do it, we started planning out costumes, the theme, making t-shirts, all kinds of stuff. Because when you're in that kind of situation, you really sometimes just need something to get your mind off of it and to just think of something else that everybody can do together. So for us, yeah. before dad got diagnosed, it was football. We would all come together for football games and that's just what we would do. We would watch the game. Yeah. But once he got diagnosed and that started to become less of a thing that we did, because he had less energy, it started to become rump shaker. Every year, I describe it like Christmas. On December 1st, your family's filled with the smell of gingerbread and peppermint, and all. it's all over the place. For us, that was just about the month of March. From March oh, wow. day of the place, there was cardboard all over the place. There was paint on the floor, like streamers. Anything that was a part of a costume or vinyl that went onto something, our house was an absolute mess for the entire month of March trying to get ready for the race. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I always love okay, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to share with everybody what's your theme. Um, you know, the, the pirate theme. I, I need I need you to share that. Yeah, that one was dad's idea. It was Captain Colin and the Scatty and the Scatty Wags. Um and the scatty wags. Our first year. Yeah, it's first year. And then we did it again a couple of years later because Dad the liked that one. The very next year. Yeah, Dad liked that one so much we wanted to keep it. Um, what was the what, what was the cops one? We had one that was uh, cop themed. Uh, I don't think we had a pun for the name, but it was it, the whole point. No, was, it was, it was the to state be poopers. State, state troopers. troopers. Yeah. Love it. That's that, that's that's great. That's great. Um, would you say that you know having having something like that to sort of focus on and um you know did, did that help your dad as he was going through the journey just to yeah. you know just to give him I, I i i remember and i guess this would have been the last the last race um that he was here for that he didn't even know if he was going to be able to to make it but somehow he you know he pulled the strength together and 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 was able to participate yeah he ended up uh taking a shortcut i think somewhere through the route um it was one of the roundabouts he wanted to do yeah. some of it at least yeah as much as he could yes yes well, yes it helped that it um, helped us we still think it helped him more than it helped us because dad always liked all of the medals and stuff that y'all gave out it would usually say something on the lines of survivor so dad yes. knew that he wasn't there yet but he did it every year because that's what he was striving for. He did the race because he wasn't yeah. going to admit that he wasn't going to be a survivor. So even the last that's right. prospects looked a little more grim, 
it still gave him the hope to get out of bed and go do a race because he believed that he was going to be a survivor. Yes. Yes. And, you know, that's, that's what we tell folks. Um, you know, sometimes people think, well, until I get remission or a cure, you know, I can't consider myself a survivor. And, and what we always tell patients is from the minute you have the diagnosis, you are a survivor. You, you are surviving this disease and you are, um, you know, every day that you get up and you're able to put one foot in front of the other, you know, you, you are a survivor and not ever discount yourself um, that, that you're not there yet. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that that, um, that, that touches me to hear that the medals and the things like that meant so much to him. That that's wonderful. To well, hear. he always said that being a survivor, believing it was half of it. Yeah. It was, like, that's yeah, right. you can just get chemo to do it, but you won't survive through chemo if you don't have the mindset going into it of I'm going to beat this. Yeah. And I think the last year, uh, the, the metal was like extra special to him because it was the the 10 year one, you know, it had the special little spinny part in it because it was the in the yes. shape of a 10. Uh, so that that's right. Cool for him. Yes, yes, that's um, that the medals are, you know, that's one of my favorite parts and, and just being able to see the survivors coming across and, you know, finding the folks with the blue bib and, and being able to give them the medal. That is, you know, that that is one of the things that means the most to us. Um, as, as a race committee. So that's, that's wonderful. As we close up here, I would like for you guys, um, you know, you're both young men, you've gone through this, this as a family as teenagers and, you know, now, now in your early twenties, um, what advice, you know, maybe we have somebody out there listening to this and, you know, they're the same age as you guys or, little younger, a little older, and, and they've got a parent who's been diagnosed. What is something, if you could share anything with those folks to give them some hope and encouragement, what would that be? Hands down, talk to your mama. Yeah, just cherish the moments that you have with whoever it might be uh, as a whole. And don't be, you know, like, don't hold your emotions in just because you try to be strong. Um, I had really bad first kid syndrome because I'm the oldest child, so... I saw how much mom was struggling with it. And I knew that because I was the oldest, that was my job. I had to be resolute and it wasn't yes. bothering me. But some of the best growth that I had and some of the things that helped me get through it the most was talking to my mom. Because you, when you're that young, you especially feel like you're going through this by yourself. But everybody in that house is going through it along with you. Nobody's hurting more or less. You're all hurting the same. People may experience it. But you're in it together. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. And, um, and I love what you said, you know, about talking to your mom, like talking that that's, that's the, the number one thing I would tell people is you just can't keep it. You can't keep it bottled in. You, you've got to, whether it's family member, whether it's, um, you know, someone at your church, whether it's a support group, you know, whatever, whatever you can find, um, you've got to have a support system and, and that is, I think that's just vital, not only for the patient, but for the whole family. So that's, that's great advice, guys. The other part that I think I've got too is don't let yourself be scared to go do things because in the vein of what Ty talked about in the beginning was to spend time with the person while you have them. 
there's a sense of guilt that you can build up with going to do things by yourself or going to do things That's for yourself. Wrong. So when, especially, I think it was around the first, the year and a half mark that he had been diagnosed, there was a summer camp that I was supposed to go to and I couldn't bring myself to go to it because it felt so selfish mm. to just leave and go do something for me. And it took another year and a half for me to finally realize that that's not something wrong for you to do something for yourself. You're feeling stressed too. So it's important to spend time with your family, but it's also important to get out there and get something to get your mind off of it. Thank you so much for, for joining me today and, and sharing about your family and sharing about the scholarship. Is there anything else you guys would like to add? I think that's it for me. Yeah. Just don't be scared to talk to, like you said, even if it's a church member, a family member, or even like a, you know, a therapist, you know, that's their job. They handle stuff like this all the time. Dad was raised in the anti-counseling zone of the, he was, especially before he was diagnosed, he was in the BMN zone. I did to go to counseling and now all three of us have gone at one point or another or still go for some of us. Yeah. There's just some, you know, yeah. being a man just can't, you know, you just can't fix something it's, by yourself. It's bigger than you. Take these young men's advice and there's help available and, for your sake, for your family's sake, you know, take advantage of that. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Semi Colon Club podcast. See you next time.